Hi, welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast, episode 191. So I got some awesome emails uh, this last couple of weeks that I want to share with you. But first, I just want to jump into today's topic. So for today's topic, I was inspired by a carousel that I put out recently on Instagram. So we've started doing that. Follow our Instagram if you are interested. And this particular carousel was very easy for me to write. Sometimes I get a bit of writer's block and things like that, as everyone does. But with this one, I wrote it incredibly quickly because I was very familiar with the content. I was especially familiar with this particular content. So the title of this carousel is Eight Mistakes Chinese Learners Make. Um, and as you can tell like from our stories, if you're familiar with our stories, Phil and myself, we made pretty much every mistake you can make when it comes to learning Chinese. Still do, I'm sure, make some mistakes. Um, I'm sure the way we acquire Chinese is not absolutely perfect. But generally, uh, it's going great now. Um, but when we first started out, our first year or two with the language, it was a very bumpy ride, especially because we invested so much of our time into it. Um, and I think I invested around a thousand hours, conservatively speaking, in Chinese and spent at least a year, maybe up to a year and a half, um, without really getting any results, uh, very, very minor results. So. I'd like to share some mistakes that I've personally made. I think I've pretty much made all of these mistakes, actually, that I'm about to read out to you. But certainly that all the learners that we've come across, that we've met um, over the years we've been learning this language and running Mandarin Blueprint. So let me get into the first major mistake. Now, these mistakes are not in any particular order, except for maybe the last one. I think it just really fits to be the very last one. So let me just go through these one by one. So the first big mistake that people make is they focus on learning Chinese instead of acquiring Chinese. Now, if you've been following our emails, if you're signed up to our newsletter, if you've been following us on any social media, um, you'll hear us go on about this regularly. You talk about acquisition, not learning. In fact, that's what Mandarin Blueprint, the Mandarin Blueprint Method, all of our courses is based around. It's the principle of get comprehensible input. Just listen to the language, listen to Chinese, read Chinese, and watch Chinese, and you will naturally acquire the language for the most part. Uh, but what most people do, and this is completely not anyone's fault, this is what I did, it's what you've probably done listening, listening to this, what they do is they use what they learn from school about learning languages. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I learn languages in school, I think most people learn kind of in a similar way. The teacher describes how grammar works, um, there's little quirks that maybe you haven't experienced. Like one of my teachers would have us write down words like in French and then cover up the word after looking at it like a bunch of times and then try to see the word on our eyelids. Okay, so that's maybe something rather specific to my teacher. But um, the idea is the same, I think. The, the principle is rote learning. Just look at these words, memorize them okay, now say this phrase, even though you don't really understand any of the words very well, or the characters, for example, within the phrase. Just repeat, listen, repeat, listen, repeat. Now, it does work, I think, if you do it for long enough. I've never done it long enough. I, most people give up, I think, on it before they get any results. But that is learning. It's like forcing, your, forcing the language into your brain consciously um, instead of just letting your brain do the work. Now, there are things that you do need to consciously learn, especially when it comes to Chinese, right? You need to learn characters because you need to learn to read. You, you don't want to be illiterate in any language you're trying to learn and definitely not Chinese, but that is a bit of a challenge that we have overcome with our courses, the Mandarin Blueprint Method especially, that just handles reading for you. In fact, it handles the entirety of the learning that you need to do plus a big chunk of immersion. So go check that out on our website, just mandarinblueprint.com courses if you're interested. But you do need to learn characters and you also need to really build a base vocabulary of at least a few hundred, preferably at least a thousand words if you can. Uh, again, our courses handle that, but if you're doing it on your own, then that's what you want to aim for is a thousand words, at least maybe 1500 if you want, and 3000 characters, common characters, and that will give you basic literacy. 3000 characters is the average number of Chinese characters a Chinese person knows. Um, an educated Chinese person will, will recognize maybe 5,000, 6,000, but you don't, they don't, won't be able to write them by any means, and you don't need to know either. And once you get to 3,000, like the other two or 3,000 are kind of just um, so rare that when you do need to learn them, 
you'll remember them, right? And you can often just guess how they're pronounced and stuff and what they mean through context. So characters and words, but also maybe some uh, pronunciation theory, like where to put your tongue uh, and how to aspirate for certain sounds so you sound more like a native speaker, that can help a lot. But that's it. That's all you need to learn in a conscious way. Like you, need, you have to memorize those things. There's not really any way around it. Um, but everything else uh, is all about immersion, really. So all of your progress comes from listening to Chinese. I prefer listening. It's much more effective overall than reading, for example, if you want to sound like a native speaker. Reading is still awesome, but I highly recommend if you do it, you listen and read together. Uh, and of course, watching. Watching TV is amazing. Uh, it's so good because you get lots of visual cues. And of course, you can use the subtitles if you want. So it's, it's really good for like anywhere from really a beginner to well an advanced or any level, really. Um, you can just cover up the subtitles once you get to a higher level. Uh, but what happens with the traditional way of learning is that it instills this idea that you have to consciously learn the language at all times, no matter what level you are. Whereas once you're actually through with the learning phase, which we call the study phase, where you build those foundational characters and words, the base vocabulary, and a bit of pronunciation theory, perhaps, and you only need the pronunciation theory if you're not a complete natural, which a lot of people aren't, that's fine. Um, but that's it, then you're done with study, okay? So just forget about study. I guess the only thing after that that would count as study would be making flashcards, okay? So, you, you know, using, for example, uh, a tool like Megaku or uh, Anki to create flashcards from your immersion content. I guess that would classify as study, but not quite. You know, it's still kind of in the immersion category, but it is something conscious you have to do. Uh, but then the rest of your progress like, really just comes from just absorbing the language, focusing on the language, and enjoying consuming the language. And then you'll naturally be able to speak it. Uh, of course, you do need to, again, focus on speaking later on, uh, or whenever you want, really, but you'll get the most results once you start if you start focusing on speaking after your comprehension is at a very nice level. Um, but that's, that's kind of it. You're, the vast majority of your time, even if you're at a very high level, will be spent immersing. That's where, it's like your fuel, right? It's your fuel for being able to speak well. So anyway, that's the biggest mistake that I think most people make when it comes to learning Chinese or any language. And it makes the language so much more boring and painful uh, and slow. It makes your progress so slow. And it makes you think you're bad at languages, okay? Because people are using what they learned from school. So don't do that. Uh, the second big mistake is, I've kind of already alluded to it, but it's too much pressure to speak too early. I think this also stems from not uh, understanding that well about how language acquisition works. Now, I don't want to say don't speak. No, I would never say that. I would say that if you enjoy speaking, please do it from day one. Uh, but just don't expect yourself to be able to speak well until you can comprehend well and you have done the groundwork. You have, you know, you've at least you're on the way to those 3,000 characters. You've built a base vocabulary and you're consuming a lot, like the vast majority of the time is spent consuming. That groundwork, that foundation will give you the ability to speak well and hone that part of your skill set. But I just think that a lot of people put too much pressure on themselves. Oh, I should be speaking. I, I guess I'll speak two times a week, three times a week. You can, for sure, even at a low level. But please don't think you have to uh, because most of your results will come from input. And you need to improve your comprehension and get lots of input before you'll be able to output well. It just makes logical sense, right? So if you're getting to the point where you can start to say, understand uh, things in Chinese, you can understand what Chinese people are saying, then you're ready for speaking. How much speaking is up to you, but the more you can understand and the more you can consume, and the more you do consume, then the more you're ready to start speaking. Now, the third big mistake that people make is what I call shiny object syndrome. And I guess it also stems from a lack of understanding about how languages are acquired. I certainly did this. Shiny object sy syndrome is where you just jump from app to website to tutor to app again and just keep jumping around in circles, hoping for one thing to be the thing that makes you fluent in Chinese, right? Um, but if you know the process that I've already laid out for you today, then you don't get this problem. But again, most people do. They just, oh, I'll just try this app, like Duolingo, for example. Oh, it's really flashy and it gives me dopamine releases. And I, I think I'm doing quote unquote well, but then you do it for like a month or six months. Some people do it for a long time. 
and then they realize, wait, wait a minute, I, I'm not, I'm not getting better at Chinese, or I'm not. I, I feel like I'm getting better, but when I try to actually speak, I can't speak very well. And again, it's because they're not just doing the simple process of build comprehension and then get comprehensible input a lot. Like that's it. That's pretty much the two things you need to do. And then the third thing, I guess, at the end is practice output, practice speaking. But those two things are like 80, 90% of everything. Okay. So for example, we've had members of Mandarin Blueprint. I remember Nick is a really uh, prominent example in my memory. I did an interview with Phil, which you can go look up on our YouTube channel. I can't remember his second name, but Nick um, is the only guy that we've interviewed called Nick. Um, and he said uh, that, you know, his teacher, when he first started, his teacher would get him to do like uh, HSK1. And he's like, okay. And then he said, I think he said, like, oh, then I was going to plan to do the HSK3. And he had this sort of moment where he's like, what am I doing again? Like, why am I going for the HSK3? That's not my goal. My goal is fluency. But I don't feel like I'm moving towards that goal. So um, I think it's just from that lack of understanding. So uh, that's something that you want to try and watch out for. And the easy way to do that is basically say, is this thing improving my comprehension? Right? Is this thing teaching me characters? Is this thing teaching me words? Like in a, or am I learning words from this thing in a fun way, an enjoyable way? Um, am I consuming comprehensible Chinese that's also preferably compelling, enjoyable, fun in some way? If the answer is no to either of those, then it's probably not worth your time. This next mistake I wanted to just mention somewhere, and it's also kind of connected to what I've already said about not understanding how languages are acquired, but it's a big mistake that people make, which is avoiding reading, avoiding characters. Now, I've already kind of mentioned that reading is really helpful, and you can actually acquire any language purely without reading. And in fact, that's what we all did, right? We pretty much all got to fluency in our native language without reading. But it was reading that took our native language to that next level. I mean, you can't really excel at a language. You can't really become um, articulate, as it were, without really learning how to read. You can become fluent and you can say things easily and stuff like that, but you can't really speak um, in an impressive way without reading, at least not with any speed, and especially not with a second language. I mean, think about it. The amount of time we have to learn a second language is relatively very short, right? For most of us, we have full-time jobs, families, etc. And we're kind of doing Chinese on the side, right? So we've got like 30 minutes, an hour. Some people maybe have two or even three hours a day, which is amazing. Um, and you can all, by the way, make that amount of time if you made Chinese more of a priority. Or I wouldn't say all because some people are genuinely, they cannot, they do not have that time. That's fine. Um, like I... I could make that time, but then my business would suffer. My family would not have time with me. So you get the idea. It's, it, we, we have a limited amount of time, all right? So with such a limited amount of time, if you just focused on listening, you would eventually pick up the language. As long as you had, I think it would help a lot if you had sort of low-level material you were listening to and you gradually sort of understood it uh, and you had the ability to look up words and things like that um, in some way, but even how would you even do that really without reading? You know, the reading, reading allows that as well to be so easy, that process of looking up words. Um, but generally, I believe you can do it. And I believe it's actually really probably overall, if you have the ability to, to stick with it, I think it might even be in a, a more effective way of becoming uh, really like a native speaker. But I think it's going to take a long, long time, uh, a lot longer than without than, than with reading, okay? So with reading, it's a much more comprehensible form of input, right? So you can, with characters, you can understand the character, you can read subtitles, it allows you to consume content you would never otherwise have a chance of consuming or you would find very frustrating, perhaps, um, and just not really get much out of, and like podcast transcripts and things like that. I think that if you have a piece of content that you're passionate about, even if you understand, understand 20 or 30% of it, you can find a lot of use out of that material and it could be a great way to acquire the language. But if you just add subtitles to that material, um, you know, it makes it just you know, 10, 20, 30, 50% more comprehensible straight away. And of course, before you even start listening, if you just wanna get that base vocabulary, build that base vocabulary so you have the ability to start consuming sentences, you learn those few characters, few hundred characters, and a thousand words, 1500 words, and then you can start reading example sentences with audio as well, preferably, but 
just reading and you can start acquiring the language through reading. And reading is a very powerful thing, even on its own. I, again, personally prefer to combine reading with listening whenever I can, because listening is what makes you sound like a native speaker. It gives you that real sense of the language, especially with tones and things like that. It's very important with Chinese to listen a lot if you want to acquire those tones. But overall, reading just makes your life as a learner of Chinese so much easier. And if you want to use the power of reading to its fullest extent and get the biggest advantage you can out of this, then again, I highly recommend you check out the Mandarin Blueprint Method. So we teach you the language first through reading and then, of course, through listening as well. So you'll learn characters, components, words. Everything, of course, comes with studio quality native audio. But the way we've structured the course, you know, you're reading sentences that you can understand in Chinese after literally just a few hours of learning. So you learn a few characters, you unlock a few common words, and then we show you sentences that are made up of words and characters you already know, with very few uh, exceptions. So you get that thrill of acquiring the language, getting comprehensible input really early instead of you know, when you learn on your own, the autodidact way, you have to literally learn hundreds of characters and then a bunch of words and then sort of piece it together, maybe look at some graded readers and then just try and it, it's more of a painful process. So we just make that process really smooth and then you can take it all the way to 3050 characters, almost 12,000 words if you want. So yeah, don't avoid reading. Okay. Uh, and I know it's tempting to avoid reading because characters are hard to learn, but again, they're not anymore. And the next big mistake that Chinese learners make or language learners in general, I think, is not staying consistent. So if you follow the advice I've given you already today, there's no way you won't succeed at acquiring Chinese as long as you show up every day, right? That's the maybe the most important factor. In fact, even if you did the traditional route, textbooks, tutors and stuff, the stuff that I personally think doesn't work very well at all, you will get to fluency and literacy, etc., with enough time investment. So if you think about it, Investing the time, showing up every day, and doing something towards your Chinese is the biggest factor in your success. So it's okay if life gets in the way. I realize that there's like the, the Maslow hierarchy of needs, right? It's like, I can't remember how it goes, but it's basically food and water and shelter, right? Do you have that? Okay, now we can move up to the next most important thing, you know, for whatever it is, you know, family, relationships or whatever. And then at the very top is like self-actualization, achieving the things you want in your life. So learning Chinese is kind of more towards the top of that pyramid. And if, if you're having trouble paying rent, then of course Chinese is gonna take a back seat. I get that. Um, but there's incredible benefits to becoming fluent and literate in Chinese. And I don't need to go through that with you really, right? I mean, but in terms of health, mental health, um, of course, and in terms of relationships, strengthening and forming new relationships, you know, uh, and of course, wealth, you know, career opportunities, business opportunities abound, you know, if you can speak to a billion more people in a language they understand. So it's worth making Chinese a higher priority in your life. And also, even if life does get in the way and you really, really do have to just, sorry, Chinese, I have to put you aside for a few weeks, do not stop. All right, just do something. If it's one character a day, even if it's five minutes of shadowing practice or listening practice or chatting to a Chinese person you see in a shop, you know, just whatever it is, do something every day. Never have a zero day. That's kind of like our most important mantra, a Mandarin blueprint. Just never, don't break the chain, all right? So just, just do something every day. Um, and really you wanna try and, if you want those compounding sort of long-term results and you wanna see regular breakthroughs, you need to be investing at least 30 minutes of active 100% focused time with Chinese, whether that's, again, learning characters or immersion or speaking practice, whatever it is, you need to be doing that every single day. So get a habit tracker, you know, track your habits, make sure that you, you do something every single day and do not, if you miss a day, just make sure that you never have a zero day, right? So if you want to, if you miss your habits, you don't get that 30 minutes that I just recommended, at least do something, right? So just say one sentence to yourself in Chinese before you go to sleep. Even if you just had a crazy day and you had no time to do anything else whatsoever and you get to bed, you're about to close your eyes and, oh, I didn't do my Chinese today. That's fine. Just do one little thing, something. Go read an instruction manual or something. <laughs> just read one sentence or one character um, because that will, keep, that will keep things going. All right, don't break the chain. So 
you know, uh, I can tell you more. I can tell you lots of personal stories that I, where I have personally suffered, my Chinese has suffered because I told myself I didn't have time. Um, and especially as someone like myself who's running a business surrounding Chinese and like how good I am at Chinese is kind of actually, I've realized it took me way too long to realize this, but my ability in Chinese is really kind of a big factor in our success as well. I never thought it used to be, um, but it's something that as a Chinese learner and a Chinese, uh, let's say, coach, that, you know, I, uh, I let myself fall, I let my Chinese fall by the wayside. I was like, no, I can't, I don't have time to get better at Chinese. I'm trying to build this business. I'm trying to uh, create this course, you know, this patent pending curriculum with Phil. I'm trying to raise a family. I've got a second kid. I want to have a third, you know. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, and I, there, was a, there was a period of my study where I spent literally years, um, I think it was around from, it was kind of after we set up Mandarin Blueprint, it was like, you know, before that time, my first couple of years with Chinese, uh, I was spending like three hours a day, despite the fact that I was still really busy, you know, with like work and stuff like that and uh, partying. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but when I really got serious and realized how passionate I was about this business, I, I sort of focused all of my time on it. So from, from 2016 to like 2020, even 2021, I basically did the minimal amount of study with Chinese. It was like 20 minutes a day of like light reading, you know? And of course I lived in China, so I would like practice my speaking every now and then, but it wasn't regimented. You know, so there was like five year gap there where I could have been taking immersion more seriously. So I took immersion really seriously once I found out about it and I got to fluency relatively quickly within like, I don't know, like six months to a year or something after I learned like a bunch of characters and started reading and listening. Um, took it very seriously and then I was like, Phil and I started working together on Mandarin Blueprint and then we just got swept up in the business and I just like, okay, <laughs> I'm now going to just really chill out on progressing at Chinese and focus on becoming an entrepreneur. And it was a decision that I kind of regret because I could have had both, you know, if I'd have just stayed consistent, controlled my time a little bit better and said to myself, no, I'm going to find at least one hour a day, maybe two hours a day even to focus on this. But I didn't and I didn't remain consistent. And therefore my over the long term, you know, I paid for that. So about a year ago, about sometime, sometime in sort of late 2021, I realized this and I switched up my priorities. And since then, in less than a year, I have invested just under 1,000 hours. All right, so on average, two and a half, three hours every single day in some form of Chinese immersion. All right, and at least five minutes to 15 minutes every single day of shadowing and, of course, um, speaking practice, I also take more seriously. So in this past year, I've seen and felt my Chinese ability go way up. And, you know, it's because I've been investing more time and consistently and just tracking those habits and making sure I do what needs to be done. So uh, that's a really long winded story. But basically, don't do what I did. Don't just, okay, I'm going to just pretty much just turn off Chinese now. And I'll come back to it later. Don't do that. <laughs> okay, because your future self will not like you for it. And on the other hand, if you do just make sure that you keep the water boiling, invest at least a 30, 30 minutes a day of active focus study or immersion or whatever, then you will definitely reap those rewards, not just in five years, but you'll reap those rewards in weeks and months from now. So the next big mistake that people make is listening to negativity. This is not really much that needs to be said about this, but I'll just tell you when I said that I was going, well, I was in England and I said that I was going to go, um, you know, traveling around Asia and then I was going to settle down in China and become fluent in Chinese in two years. I literally said that, I'm going to have this goal, I'm going to go do it. Two people that I barely knew, actually, um, just immediately when I told them about this, they just immediately said, no, you're not, with straight faces. They were like, no, you're not, what are we talking about? It's ridiculous. Like People are so you know, negative and they can't, if they can't imagine themselves doing it, then you can't do it either. Otherwise, that's going to make them feel bad, right? I, I think that's how it goes. I'm not a psychologist, but... I remember just thinking like, wow, man, like I need to get different people around me. <laughs> but I actually achieved that goal. It was, you know, it didn't go as smoothly as I would like. And I wasn't as 
uh, you know, as hardworking as I wished I was, but I, I did achieve that goal. Um, and I, I remember in Vietnam as well, because I stayed in Vietnam for a few months uh, before going to China. And I said it to another guy, a good friend that I had there. I was like, I'm going to go to China next. He's like, why are you leaving? I'm going to China. I'm going to become fluent in Chinese. No, you're not. Literally, no, you're not. That's BS, basically, you know. So, and you'll find it in forums that are like, I'm not going to name any forums, but like, <laughs> um, you know, we've experienced a lot of that negativity. It's like, oh, there's no way the Mandarin Blueprint Method gets results. Um, you have to work for 10 years. Chinese is really, really hard. And you have to go through the same pain I went through. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to do it. And um, it's just nonsense. It's just nonsense. It, Chinese is long, right? And it can be hard sometimes for sure. It can be a challenge. But if you have the right methods from the get-go versus someone who fumbles around and sort of does uses average methods for like five years or 10 years or whatever, you're going to get way faster results than the other person for sure, right? You can actually, it's possible, I believe, I didn't do it in a thousand hours, but I believe that fluency is possible with it. In a thousand hours with our courses, and enough immersion, I think that you can do it in 1,000 hours now. I think you can get to B2 level fluency in 1,000 hours. Um, we have a lot of data to back that up. I've never per I didn't personally do it because I was that second guy. I was messing around and figuring things out for a long time before I got around to actually doing it properly. Um, but yeah, for sure, it's not out of your reach. you know. But again, so just ignore negativity. That's what I'm saying. Um, it's completely possible. I've seen it, I've done it, so just... Uh, to stay the course if you hear any stuff like that. Another mistake, I think this is number seven now, that people make uh, is listening to native speakers about how to learn Chinese. Now, this is usually when you go on to like italki or hello talk or something like that. And it's kind of related to the negative Nancy's advice that I just gave you. It's, they're not negative necessarily, it's just misguided, right? So people want to help you. Chinese people are very helpful, very polite, and they'll just give their advice if you ask for it. But I wouldn't recommend asking for language acquisition advice. Just stick to the plan that I've laid out for you today and you'll succeed pretty much. Like, there's not really much else um, that you need to worry about. Um, just What most people do, of course, is that they, they sign up for a tutor and then they, the tutor just guides them, not just on speaking practice, which is what they are there for, in my opinion, um, or providing a teacher is also really good for providing you with native content you might otherwise not be able to find. They're really good with that as well. Also, of course, correcting your mistakes, right? So those are the, the major sort of functions of a, a native speaking tutor or language exchange partner or friend. But everything else, just just do what I've laid out for you. Just just don't don't let them guide you in that way in terms of how to acquire the language um, that much, you know. Or if you do, only listen to the ones that are really good at English or they know several languages that because they know the language process, the language acquisition process well, right? Because they've done it. So yeah, um, that's just a quick, quick thing that I've noticed a lot of people do. So the final one I say for last is um, people that are focused on the destination as opposed to the journey. So this happens quite a lot. So, oh, oh, I want to learn a thousand words. I want to have a smooth conversation or I want to be B2 fluent, which is essentially what, I, what, what most people consider, I think, is like the lowest level of official fluency, right? So, okay, this guy is fluent in Chinese, is B2, right? But he's, he's still got problems. He's, more, he's something like I saw it on a blog somewhere that, was it Chatter, Chatterbox or Chatter, sorry, I can't remember the name of the blog, but was, I really love this, this comparison. B2 fluency is like Jackie Chan from Rush Hour. Okay, so like you are, you have no real barriers with the language. You can express yourself with relatively simple language, and you, but and you, it's not a strain for each other to communicate. Um, you know, but uh, you don't. You're not perfect. You're not a native level, right? So um, most people say, "Oh, I want to get to that level." But here's the thing: if you once you get to that goal officially, and you can you can have a few conversations in Chinese, like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely B two." What, what happens? Well, it's now normality for you, right? It's just you, it's just your life. So um, you're not just gonna be like going around like in a constant state of, wow, I'm amazing sort of thing. You're just gonna be immediately used to it and then you're gonna aim for another level of fluency or maybe you'll switch to a different language and just keep the water boiling with Chinese, keep that level and just switch to Spanish or something. You know, you'll do all sorts of things. 
And Chinese is a lifelong skill anyway. So don't focus so much on getting to a certain level of fluency. Just focus on enjoying now and uh, spending time with Chinese now and having fun now. Right? If something is boring or stressing you out in terms of your Chinese study, um, then you just need to switch to something else. Right? Just make sure that you're always enjoying yourself. All right, guys, those are the eight biggest mistakes that Chinese learners make. I hope that that was helpful for you. All right, now let's get into the emails today. I did mention that we have some good comments and emails uh, over the last couple of weeks. So the first one is from Emma. So Emma is, um, she has a Chinese family. Uh, I believe she has at least a Chinese father anyway. And she, we've had like a exchange on the course and by email over the last few months. That's very interesting. So she uh, reached out to me, I believe actually. Yes, I sent it in a newsletter recently. So she, she got in touch a while back and after five months, I believe, of uh, just using our course. So she was basically an absolute beginner, just used the course and after five months, she sent me a, um, a video. And this is her just one, maybe two hours a day, maybe one and a half hours a day on average of that's everything, that's all the time she's spending. And this video was really impressive. It was, there was a, a one minor pronunciation issue she had with her DTC. She was uh, pronouncing it slightly wrong. But in, she was reading off of a thing as well. She was just reading one of her things. But it, a lot of areas from her video sounded like a native speaker. I was really impressed. Um, so I got in touch with her and said, oh, do you mind if I share this and stuff like that? So I shared it with, with, our, with our email list. And uh, anyway, she got back in touch. She said, hey, OMG, I've been unwell and missed all of this. Haha. <laughs> but obviously, I was completely happy to share if it helps encourage other people. I've just read that email now and I'm literally so proud. Haha. <laughs> so she's saying I'm, I'm, she's very proud of herself. I've been carrying on and continuing on my language acquisition journey and it's just so much fun. Listening has become one of my better skills. I think it may have even overtaken reading now as I can often keep up with native speed when spoken. However, my spoken and often written constantly has loads of mistakes but that's to be expected and honestly just makes it more fun. See, the reason why Emma is really successful with this language and going to be very good at this language is because she's so positive. Um, she's not that self-critical. She's just, she's like, oh, I'm making mistakes, no worries. I'm get, I'll, I'll, I'll be fine. Uh, now, some people would argue it's, it's a good idea not to make too many mistakes because you might cement bad habits and stuff like that. But overall, I like this attitude uh, very much. So um, then she, she writes some Chinese here, which is actually really good. Uh, for example, one day, uh, so this story, she was talking, she was telling a story about a witch. She's on a sitting on a broom. chin. So she was sitting on someone's chin. So made my, um, my teacher laugh. So And I don't know if she's making fun here or this is trying to be funny or if this is just an interesting mistake. With this sentence, she's saying, if you make a mistake, no worries, don't be scared. Like, is like, just, you know, not really a direct translation, but it's like, go on, you can do it sort of thing. You can do it. Um, but in that sentence, she actually says she, she got a, a character wrong. Um, so it's a, 不要害怕, like, don't still be scared. Um, instead of so, but I thought that was quite funny. But um, really good Chinese. Uh, obviously a few mistakes in there, but it's like, whatever. I can understand what she's saying, you know, so she is successfully communicating, which is fantastic. And she's been learning with us for like an hour a day, hour and a half a day, max, including like flashcard reviews and stuff, for like way less than a year. Um, so that's awesome. She says, I actually have attached an update of one of your reading pieces. I didn't read the whole thing as I didn't want it to get it on, want it to go on forever. I've been trying to practice uh, X, Q and J, the, the uh, TTC, but I think they're still slightly off. Anyway, thank you guys so much. I couldn't have started this or progressed like this without this course. And I repeat myself so much, but honestly, <laughs> I never thought I could do this 
what you've managed to create is just such an incredible shortcut and has opened up my culture and my heritage in a way I never connected to before. Thank you so much, and any feedback would be amazing. Thank you both. Well, that's awesome, isn't it? So well done, Emma. I was so happy to hear that and see that. Um, just someone enjoying the language and making that kind of progress. Next, we have Jay. Uh, he says, hi, Luke and Phil and the Mandarin Blueprint team. I began your course while in its beta phase. That must have been around 2019. I was drawn to Mandarin and had been trying different methods to learn other language, all of which were disappointing. Does this seem like a familiar story? Yes. I was actually going to quit Mandarin when I stumbled on your new course and thought I'd try it out as my final attempt. I quickly realized how special the course was. At the same time, unfortunately, I was starting a new job which limited my time, energy and cognitive capacity. However, I was told by a friend of mine, one of those gifted linguists that are the envy of all language learners, that if I had found a method that I recognized to be right for me, just don't stop, chip away. Recently, my work has eased in intensity and I've been able to chip away quite a lot. This is very, I haven't read this beforehand. I just sort of organized these comments in order, roughly. So it's funny that he's mentioning just chip away when I was saying stay consistent. In fact, staying consistent is probably the most important piece of advice uh, in the tips that I gave you today. And it's funny that he's saying just keep, don't stop, just chip away. Um, and I've been able to chip away quite a lot. Just finish your foundation course or beginner course, as it's now called. For someone who's a relatively stoic individual, uh, it was actually quite emotional to reach this benchmark. For quite a long time, there has been no light at the end of the Mandarin tunnel. Now, though, I see one. So I just wanted to write to say thank you. It's been an interesting journey, and I look forward to beginning the intermediate course. Thank you, Jay. That's just beautiful. I really love that. Um, so thank you so much for that. Uh, I think that I don't think you can get a better testimonial than that. It's actually quite um, so. It's quite moving as well, isn't it? Uh, so thank you very much, Jay. Uh, and I'm glad that the course is working for you. It's awesome. Um, next is Anne. We, by the way, I haven't. I just like, today. So every now and then we get a podcast that we just through coincidence we happen to get like a ton of really flattering emails in a row <laughs> we're not like saving them up or anything like that it's just rant they, they just came in right well, the course works really well <laughs> um not every week we don't like uh do this every time we do a podcast we're just like giving compliments to ourselves we just read the comments that come in um <laughs> so next is Anne giles um she's been with us for a while now uh, she says, pausing for a moment to look in my email, February 16th, 2021. Nice. Hey, Anne, thank you and welcome to your 14-day free trial of the Mandarin Blueprint Method. So many people talk about learning Chinese, but here you are actually doing it. She says, that was signed by Luke. Yes, I wrote that. And look at this cute sentence. <laughs> we do have 395 video lessons and 2,000 flashcards for you to learn from. Wow. I'm making fun of my past self. How many now video lessons and flashcards do you have now, guys? Well, we have 2,000 video lessons and uh, 9,000 total lessons, not including that's just the Mandarin Blueprint Method, and I believe 15,000 flashcards, all with native studio quality recorded male and female audio. But you know, who's counting? Since I started Mandarin Blueprint, my father sickened and died with dementia. I'm very sorry to hear that. My, my grandfather has very late stage dementia and my father also had it. A pull up bar failed and I'm still recovering from concussion. And my dear friend, exactly my age, died suddenly at 63 just last month. Again, very sorry to hear that. The list of hardships for nations and the globe seems nearly infinite and yet studying Mandarin Chinese has been my anchor and solace. Thanks to Christine and Rebecca, Telling their story about being study buddies, I found the bestest study buddy and pal, George, through Mandarin Blueprint on August 17th, 2021. And he and I have been working together ever since. And she added a link to uh, Christine and Rebecca's story uh, for, their, for your convenience. So you can go and check that out in the show notes. Hopefully it'll be there for you. Um, and then she just continues, 1,000 characters. 
Before I move on to 1001, thank you, Luke and Phil, for this genuine invention, for this truly novel way to learn language that defeats most who try. I am grateful for your work and grateful for your service, not just to us, but to the world with deep appreciation. And well, do you know what? I read this actually, because I saw this on the uh, platform, but reading it out loud is, is a very unique experience for me. It's, uh, it's uh, thank you for that. It's very nice. It's not very nice. I'm, this is how like emotionally dead I am. <laughs> like I can't express my emotions very well. I'm just like, thank you. This is nice. She's like pouring her heart out. Um, but I, I assure you, and this is um, this is the sort of stuff that keeps us going. So um, really appreciate it. Uh, Andy <laughs> by email says, hi, my approach to MB is evolving. The base of my learning, learning is constant. I do not miss reviewing flashcards and I am particular, sorry, very particular about learning characters well. Beyond this, I struggle with the other elements such as words, sentences, comprehensible inputs such as graded reading. Take for example words. In the beginning, I was just as particular about the words as I was with the characters. Now in the intermediate level, the number of words and associated sentences start to rapidly increase. I am now no longer as particular about the words. I will add many of the flashcards, but when I review them, I will rarely press incorrect. I guess I have not figured out the best method for me, how to filter the word sentence flashcards. Right, so, you know, doing um, word flashcards is cool, right? Um, but when you're a lower level, but once you get into sort of intermediate, you don't really need to do individual word cards in my opinion, in our opinion, that's why we changed it, right? So I would say um, do what you're doing, you know, be very, especially with sentence flashcards, right? Because you're going to see those words in the context of during your immersion anyway, like with sentences and graded reading content on the course, but also in your immersion content outside the course. So I would say just be really generous with yourself about getting word cards correct. Just like, you know, just send it to your future self, even if you're not 100% sure. It's an idea I got from Matt versus Japan um, in our interview. Uh, which I really liked. So same with sentence, especially with sentence flashcards, right? Um, because like sentences are infinite and we've chosen and created some really nice sentences for you um, that are preferably also entertaining uh, in, in some ways as well and also completely comprehensible. But if you don't like a sentence or you want to just not review a sentence, just delete it or just send it to your future self to say, uh, got it right, you know. Um, so that's what I would recommend. Yeah, so I think it looks like you're doing it right to me. Um, the graded reading pieces provide my comprehensible input. I tried to select one piece per level to focus on. Lately, I can see this frequency perhaps might decrease. I will use the audio for passive listening. I really like learning and reviewing the characters and want to maintain a reasonable pace. I think I would be happy with one level every two weeks. My thinking is I will stick to this and adjust my time and effort on everything but the characters to maintain this. How does this plan sound to you? I can't say if this approach is right or wrong because if it's more enjoyable to you to do that, then I say do it. I would say focusing on characters um, is important and you should do at least one character every day. Keep that going. Don't stop doing characters because you have to get to 3,000, 3,050 on the course, right? Keep going. Um, now, in terms of your, and but that's it. If you want to just 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 do that one character a day, and then yes, explore, consume as much of the immersion content, and don't forget the sentences at the end of each level as well. There's like sentence packs. That's extra immersion content for you. So all of the sentences for each level, which sometimes are hundreds, right, in the bigger levels, um, you can just have that we've either got one file with all of them in just in order right or individual sentences that you can shuffle so you can download them all just do that all right and immerse 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 there's no way that's going to be bad it's going to be great for you one danger on focusing just on learning the characters and primary meanings is that many characters have multiple meanings and use don't worry about that all right don't worry about characters having multiple meanings you'll get that from immersion you're under the idea of the course we teach you one major definition um, and uh, and you you will naturally pick up the rest of the definitions as you, through your immersion. 
FYI, I estimate that I spend an upward, an av- upwards of an average of two hours per day on the focused study of Chinese. That's great. This does not include passive listening and some other extra as well. In that case, there's, I mean, you're going to be feeling great progress. If you can do that every single day, learning characters, uh, and also, you know, you're clearly taking immersion very seriously. You've been taking our advice or advice you got elsewhere about acquisition and immersion, and that is going to pay off big time. Okay. So just keep that going. I think that's a really good plan. It's interesting hearing the experience of other people. Maybe I may be wrong, but I always come away thinking that many of these people spend a lot more time on studying than I do. I don't know. I don't know. I think they're also they're always outliers, all right? There's always a bell curve. But I think you're doing fine. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Uh, and also, Andy, just personally, is like to say sorry because I, remember, I actually now remember Andy emailed me with these questions and I said, can I share this on the podcast? And he said, yes. And I meant to actually reply by email, but... <laughs> but I just left it. <laughs> so, Andy, when you watch this, because we always reply to people when we um, respond to them, of course. Sorry, should have got back to you with the answer <laughs> sooner. Next is Connor. I absolutely love Migaku. One of my favorite things about it is the tone color function. It makes it so easy to read smaller text with or without my glasses, especially if I've gotten, forgotten the tone of a word from my previous Mandarin Blueprint Method studies. Nice, I'm, I'm glad that's uh, working for you. Yeah, Megaku and Anki combined with Netflix and YouTube. Just thank me later. Next question here is a Chinese question just from Evan. The example sentence is, 每个同学都过时累累. Okay, so 过时累累, this is a, I guess it would be a Chinese, right? Uh, it's like an idiom. So 果实 is another way of saying fruit. And it's often used in the um, uh, like the fruits of your labor, the, fru- the, the fruits that life brings or whatever. Like, so I judge a man by his fruit. You know, it's not literally fruit in most cases. Uh, it's often used uh, to in, more, in the more abstract sense. Um, so I remember seeing a documentary, which I highly recommend, by the way, it just sprung to mind called 生命的果实. So 生命 is like life, so it's like the fruits of life, and it's about this adorable Japanese couple. I don't know what the, the English name is, but I saw it on Aichi, this Japanese couple um, that, the, the Japanese guy's like an architect, and they have this lovely garden, and his wife cooks for him every day, and it's just this really nice uh, documentary. Anyway, so 果实 is the fruits, and 累累 um, is like uh, to build up, like 积累. And combined with lei lei, lei lei means to cluster together, like to build up, right? As in ji lei. So it's basically saying, 每个同学, like every classmate, uh, lei lei. So I assume it's saying like, they have lot, they have produced a lot of fruit, basically. They've, they've uh, achieved a lot. So basically it's saying, every 同学, every classmate has achieved a lot. Right, guoshu, like the fruits of their life is abundant and, and built up. Now, something that's very interesting that I don't know how to explain, uh, maybe if someone was uh, really a scholar of Chinese or just better than me at Chinese, they'd be able to explain, but I don't know why lei lei has second tone. Second tone? If I search this phrase on baidu.com, I'm sure I'd find the explanation. Maybe it's just like a really ancient formation of this or version of these words, but di lei, it should be third tone. Right? So this, this is... Um, this character is pronounced lei, meaning tired, but ji lei, it has the meaning of uh, like to build up, right? And that's the, the meaning I believe that's being shown here, right? So anyway, just, just a geeking out sort of thing I just noticed. But yeah, that's, that's what it means. So I completely get why you don't understand that um, because those duoyinzi, uh, you know, it's not duoyinzi, it's just a character with um, multiple meanings and often, Usually those meanings are very similar, right? Especially if they have the same pronunciation. But when, um, but sometimes characters will throw you for a loop, like like in this situation, like uh, uh, lei means tired and lei means to build up. I know it's here a second time, but I'm just gonna ignore that for now because I don't understand it. Um, but yeah, so I, sometimes it will throw you for a loop. But a good way to avoid this is to first search the whole word on Pleco, then click on the individual character, uh, and then you'll be able to sort of push up and down to see the multiple pronunciations and multiple meanings of the character. So I highly recommend you do that when you get confused about these sorts of things. Because often the source of your confusion is that the character has multiple meanings. 
Uh, next we've got I wanna. In the sentence, 我的身体不舒服,我想吐. <laughs> so my shen, 我的身体, my body is 不舒服, is not comfortable. 我想吐, I want to vomit. <laughs> so she's saying, she's asking, does 身体 mean body or health? And the answer is both. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, so 身体. And I've, I've fallen for this trap. Everyone does. It's a weird one. It's like body and health are the same. Right, so in Chinese. So, uh, for example, my uh, family member once asked me uh, about my mother. She said, like, mama de shenti hama. And I was like, her body is, is her body okay? I mean, yeah, she's like, she's fine. She can walk and she's got like, yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, shenti mei wenti. And then I sort of like, well, fine, I, I, I realized what he was saying. And like, oh, yeah, yeah. Ta han. I get what, but in that moment, I was like, oh, how's her body? What are you talking about my mom's body for? You got a problem? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, it means both as to why. I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? Body and health, especially when you think about, consider like the, the you know, Chinese medicine, things like that. I guess it's uh, related to that. Glennis is the final comment of today's podcast. And she asks, Oh, she's not asking anything. She's saying something. And she's, it is on our habit building course, Habit Building Bootcamp, which you can also access from our courses page. She says, I can identify getting the rush. I am reading Babel by R.F. Kuang, and it has a small Chinese thread in the story, unbeknown to me when I chose it. She occasionally puts characters in, and I was so delighted to recognize a couple immediately and the meaning before she explained it. It was awesome, and I got very excited. Yes, I love those moments. And um, I would recommend that even if you are a lower level, right, you find a book that you love. And if you're not really a massive reader, you don't like have like a list of novels that you enjoy, which I personally don't, right? You could find like a, a book version or just a you know, book version of like a TV show or a movie that you love. Or just the TV show or movie, whatever. Something in your native language that you really enjoy, that you have an emotional connection to. Uh, and find the Chinese version if you can, and just refer to it every now and then, because what you do understand will give you sheer delight. All right, guys, that's the end of today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making it, and I'll see you again next month. Bye-bye.